The Bible said that God's children are peculiar people. If you look up the word peculiar, it means odd. That we don't, we don't walk by the same beat as the world does. You know, in, in this world, you know, there are uh, a lot of uh, things uh, like styles, you know, of, of clothing, uh, hairstyles. You can go back to the 80s, and, and you can tell it was in the 80s because their whole hairstyles are different, and, and you can go on. And, and I think in that sense, a lot of times we pick and choose in, in our lives, you know, what may fit us, and, and that is fine. But I want you to know with God, he's a peculiar God. He doesn't do things the way we might think that he would do them. I would like us to turn to Exodus chapter 14 uh, just for a moment. Exodus chapter 14 is Genesis, Exodus. The Exodus, of course, is speaking about the children of God exiting out of uh, Egypt. Now, you've got to remember something that... Abraham was was a pagan was a pagan he he was uh he believed in many gods and he came from Iraq and God spoke to him and at that time there there were uh, really none that believed in one god but God spoke to Abraham and he told him to leave his house and his kindred and to go into a land that he would show him so Abram, in his journey, he takes Lot with him, his, his nephew. And, and in the journey, they come to a place called Canaan. Now, when they came to that place called Canaan, what they realized is there were giants in the land. There was famine in the land. Now, you would think that, well, if God calls me to something, it's going to be wonderful. Well, not always. Canaan was occupied. It was a battle. It was, it was something to, to deal with. So he goes back to Egypt for a while, but eventually he comes back to Canaan, and there God shows him all the he said He said, I want you to look east, and I want you to look west. I want you to look at I want you know, I've given you this land. How many know that God's given us the land if we believe him? And so all of a sudden he, he believes, well, let me tell you this. Canaan, you know what Canaan means in the Hebrew? A place of the bending of the knee. That's a place of humility. That's a place where I get on my knees before God and said, here am I. Here am I a sinner. Here am I a pagan that comes to you, Lord God. And I ask you, Lord, to give me a supernatural ear that you gave to Abraham, who also was a pagan, who came to know Jesus Christ. How many know we all come the same way? We all come the same way. And we come to the place called Canaan, a place of the bending of the knee. But what he said, and I want to get to our story here, but what he said to, to Abram, he said, in 400 years, he said, your descendants will go down into Egypt, into bondage. And, and I can imagine Abraham realizing, why would you take us and liberate us and put us back in bondage? And this is what God said. He said that they may know me as the deliverer. We may say, why did I get sick? So I can know him as the healer. Why did I go through this? So why did I go through that? That I might know him in a, another way. 
You cannot know him as a deliverer if you haven't been. I'm going to say it again. You can't know him as the deliverer if you have never been delivered. And so here we find this. They are leaving. Um, they're leaving Egypt. And I want to read verse 14. It said, And the Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Therefore criest thou unto me, Speak unto the children of Israel that go forward, but lift, uh, uh, but lift thou up thy rod, and stretch it uh, thine hand over the sea, and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground uh, through the midst of the sea. You see, that in our lives demands that we believe. I believe, Lord God, all things I believe. Lift your staff over that Red Sea, and I will divide it. You know, it is an action that's required of us that, yes, I believe. I believe in God. And that's why the Bible said, unless we become little children, little children, they have a mind that can easily be impressed. And what God said is, I need you to believe the word, to believe the miraculous, and to believe who I am. I think of Aaron talking to Pharaoh, but he wouldn't let the people go. So God sent plagues, locusts, frogs, blood, death. Uh, of the firstborn. Pharaoh grieved by the death of his own firstborn and, and said to the people that they could go. And they left. But after they were gone, he changed his mind. And I tell you right now, the devil doesn't want to lose you. The devil is out, and he is a type of Pharaoh that wants to control you. He wants to leave you in your pathetical cell. He wants to leave you in your sickness. He wants to leave you in your shame. He wants to leave you, uh, you know, in your insecurity. But I want you to know something. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, that's what the power is. It's not in me. It's in God. I think of Joshua. And Joshua 6 and 27 says, So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout all of the country. And he said, Jericho belongeth to the Lord, and it was the time, it was, all, it was time to reclaim it. And God said to Joshua and to his people, March around the walls of Jericho every day for six days and on the seventh to march around seven times and blow the trumpet and shout. And they did. And the walls came tumbling down. You see, the Bible says, He that have an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is speaking. And the thing that we have to understand and realize is that, is that there was no intellectual understanding. I believe we also need to reclaim the territories that the devil has taken. But the only way to do that is to have an ear to hear what God is saying to us and then to be obedient to what God tells us. And that is where we need to, to, to realize, God, you're going to ask me to 
to walk around. Now, you got to realize Jericho, they say that the walls of that city were so thick that you could put seven chariots abreast and race around the top of the wall. I mean, this is a massive wall. There was no way that these Israelites were going to take Jericho. But God said, I have a way. And he said, I want you to march around that city once every day. But on the seventh day, it's going to be a little different. I want you to do it seven times. Now, you can imagine all the people within the city. They probably say, hey, come on, see these nuts. They're all down there running around the city. Hey, they do it every day. Come on, it, it, it's, it's time. Let's go and watch them. And I'm sure they probably mocked them. They might have thrown things at them. And they said, listen to these. Look how pathetic they are. But I want you to know that we serve a powerful God. If we'll be obedient to him, even though the actions required of us might not seem uh, intelligible to the world, we have a God that is powerful. And they did exactly as God had instructed them to do. Are we willing to believe God today? Are we willing to say, Lord God, I am yours. Do with me as you will. In Hosea 13, 4, he said, Yet I am the Lord your God ever since the land of Egypt, and you shall know no God but me, for there is no salvation besides me. The Hebrew word here for Savior is victor, deliverer, or rescuer. I want you to know that he is the victor today. He is the deliverer today. He is the, the, uh, the all in all today. And we can know him. For what knowledge is knowing him from all things that are created for him, uh, for, for all things created for him and by him. We need to understand that as we find our place in life, as we come to that place in life where we say, Lord, I belong to you, the, the closer we get to him, the more we understand him. And how do we get close to him? We seek him. Lord, I seek you. And you say, well, you know, uh, you've been uh, a, a Christian for many years. You know something? Yesterday's manner is not sufficient for today. And what do I mean by that? He said, we go from faith to faith. We can't live on yesterday. We need a fresh revelation of God today. Lord God, show me again that you, you love. That's what David said. He said, tell me again that you love me, God. God, I want a fresh revelation of who you are today. Had a lady one time said, I've been in the way for 40 years. I said, well, get out of the way. <laughs> and let God. I've heard people say, well, I'm just holding on till Jesus comes. Why don't you let go and let God? And that's the thing that we need to understand and realize is that so often Christians live on meager rations because they don't know him to the extent that he desires that we know him. Peter said, I perceive that we've received everything from him. We've received all the gifts. It's all here. God's given, released it all to us. And then we say to ourselves, why is it that I don't, I don't realize all that is there? 
He said, my people, and Hosea again, my people perish for lack of knowledge. If only they knew me. Jesus said that when he looked over Jerusalem when he was on earth. And he looked over Jerusalem as they celebrated the Passover. And he wept and he said, Father, only if they knew who it was that was with them. Oh, there's so many times, even as Christians, that we, we pale in experience and, and what God has for each one of us. I think of the man that was coming from Europe. Some of you have heard the story, but, but, but he's coming from Europe, and his mother packed him a, a lunch. Uh, it was going to be a 30-day cr- uh, journey from Europe to the United States by a steamship. And, and, and he was believing for a better life because the, his family had been living in tyranny. And he said, Mom, let me go to the United States and I will get us ready and I'll call for the family to come. And Mom had given, uh, uh, packed him a lunch and said, we, you know, be careful with this lunch. Eat just, just a little every day and, and, and the milk. And, and so every day he would eat his meager ration and, and drink his milk. On the 14th day, the milk was so sour he really didn't want to drink it. Uh, but he knew he needed some liquid for his body. By the time that they got there, he'd lost an enormous amount of weight. He was very weak and sickly. And one of the other passengers saw saw him and they said but but you know you looks like you need some food he says uh what's going on he said well he said i've been on this meager ration he said don't you have a ticket he said yes i have a ticket he said don't you know that's all inclusive there was steak and all the food all the way across you could have been eating but he didn't know you see when you don't know You get cheated out of a lot of things. God wants us to know him. He wants us to know him as the healer. He wants us to know him as the deliverer. He wants us to to know him as as the one that can take us from addiction and and from the things that, that, that trouble us in our hearts. God wants us to know him. There are many false concepts of who God is. And, and, and many times that is the reason. In Hosea 13, 4, again, it says, You shall know no God but me. In John 17, 3, it says, And this is eternal life, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. What hinders us from knowing him? You know, really, I mean, you say, well, I need a theological degree. I need the, you just need to have an open heart and say, God, I want to walk with you. You need to be willing to shut the world out and say, I'm done with that. I see people walking down the streets with, with these, uh, you know, little white things in their ears, you know, and they're dancing as they go down the street. And, and, and it's like the world is filling themselves with noise. And you know why that is? Because they don't want to think, I guess. I remember when I was a, a young man, I was 20, and I went to a party, and they had uh, uh, drugs and everything. And I said uh, there, I said to the whole group, I said, what, are, what is it all about? What is the meaning of life? And you know what they said to me? Don't spoil the buzz. 
You get thinking like that, you'll spoil it. We don't allow ourselves to think like that. And that is the problem with humanity. We push God out. Because we know that if we really were to think about it, we would ask the questions, what is it all about? Is there any purpose in my life? Is there a meaning? Is it that I'm, it's just random and there, and there is no, no direction, no, no life after, after this life? I mean, all of those things. But you know something? I could not keep my soul quiet. And you know something? When we ask, he said, if you ask, you shall receive it. We have to ask God the questions. Lord God, here am I. Here am I. Lord Jesus, who are you? How can I walk with you? How can I know you? You see, we get, there's a lot of substitutes for salvation. And I think that Alcoholics Anonymous can be a substitute. And I'm not saying that it's wrong to, to look at your life and examine it step by step. That's fine. But it is not God. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. This is what Jesus said. And no man will go to the Father but through me. Someone says, well, you're narrow-minded. Well, God, God uh, has told me that there's no other way. I think of an atheist. I like what one man said about atheists. He said, I was an atheist, and, and I, was, I was learning about God, and, and he was a rich individual, and, and his parents were concerned, so they kidnapped him, and they put him on a ship with a bunch of atheists so that they'd re-indoctrinate him into atheism. And he said, I was on that ship for about 50, that ship for about 15 days, and a great storm came up. And it looked as if we were going to sink. And he said, and I did what all atheists do in those types of situations. He said, I prayed. <laughs> you know, there's an old saying, Wayne, that there is no atheist in the foxhole. You ever notice how religious people get when, when, when a football player has a heart attack and falls on the field? You ever realize how religious the world gets when a teacher goes in a spaceship and it blows up? You ever realize how quickly even atheists get religious? I will tell you this right now. It's foolhardy to say there's no God. It, the only one that can say there's no God has an ulterior motive. Either they want to be God, in other words, the Lord of their own life, or they just want rather be ignorant. I was at hospice uh, a few years ago, Brother Wayne, and and I walked into a room and 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 because uh, I was I was with um, um, Uncle Milford and and he was passing, and I decided while I was there I'd, I I saw another room and and I walked in and I said, hey, I said, do you know Jesus? And he looked at me with anger and said, if you don't get out of this room right now, I will call the authorities and have you removed from this building. Okay. So I left the room. 
The next morning I looked in there and his bed was made. I don't know. Would have been wonderful if he had just said, I'd like to hear about this Jesus. I'd like to know about him. Think of a deist. A deist is like Benjamin Franklin. They believe there is a God, but they don't think he's... The, oh, yeah, God came. They have to believe because they're intellectual enough to realize, I look at all that is. There's got to be a God. But they don't believe that God is all that involved in your daily life. You know, you wouldn't believe how many pastors have come to that place. You know why? Because they fool around and they realize, hey, I've still got the anointing. And so they come to the conclusion that God's not all that. They really become a deist to their own demise, of course, because God's not fooled. Then we have polytheism. There are many gods. As I said, Friday night, I was reading a book about knowing the holy. And in it, there was a, a story, or maybe it was a lecture, but anyway, it was showing all of these Buddhist monks. And they were all running around, knocking on trees, saying, Are you there? Are you there? You know, God is not a tree. God is not that. I mean, he created them beautifully. And you can see, even in the tree, you can see the Trinity. You can see in a yolk, in the in the uh, in, in an egg, the Trinity. You see the you see the shell. You see the the white part, and you see the inner yellow. I mean, there's so many things that we see a pattern, but it's not God. He created it all. You have polytheism, or should I say, pantheism is uh, the universe is God. Polytheism, and there are many gods. In biblical theism, there is one God who is infinite, transcendent, and imminent. God the Father will rescue you from the darkness of your life, deliver you from the evil of your life, and give you victory. The Greek word for saved means to be a rescuer, uh, sozizo. It means to be a rescue, to be rescued from danger, to make one whole to make one whole in Romans 8 37 nay unto all of these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us I want you to know something I'm more than a conqueror this morning through him that loved me and Romans 15 57 says but thank be to God, which giveth us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Where do we get it? Through our Lord. He gives me victory. Victory, victory shall be mine if I hold my peace and let the Lord fight my battle. Victory, victory shall be mine. 2 Corinthians 2.14 Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and make it manifest the Savior of his knowledge by us in every place. 
in every place. I look at Ahab. Ahab was the king of Israel. Ahab was a Hebrew. But Ahab was also the husband of Jezebel. Now Jezebel was a was a woman that he went and found to marry who was a pagan. And so what Jezebel says to him is, is let us let my gods and your gods exist together. Let me tell you what, when you let false gods mingle with, with God, the false gods will always push God out. Because they can't coexist. And that's exactly what happened in, in, in Israel. She influenced Ahab that the Baal, the, the, her god Baal was equal in authority as God and later on com, uh, completely opposed the worship of God and had orders to kill the prophets and destroy the altar. God told Elijah to go and tell Ahab that there was going to be a famine in the land. I want you to know when you reject God, you will reap the dividends. I see what this country is going through. We've thrown God out of our schools. We've made it a, a, a taboo, uh, uh, you know, even to, to mention God in a lot of places. I want you to know that I believe America has the politicians in place that we deserve. And they're pretty, I don't want to use the word, they're not very intelligent. And you look at them and say, why, they can't, why don't they think right? God said, that's what you deserve as a nation because you've rejected me. But let me tell you this, whenever God would, would pull his hand away, it isn't because he doesn't love them, it isn't because he's not merciful, it isn't because he, he doesn't want them to come to him, but sometimes he wants them to see clearly. Let me tell you, when you reject me, what you get. But I'm still believing God's hand for this country. I really am. I'm believing God for revival. I'm, I'm believing God that people will come back to the true God through all of this. And that's what happened. Elijah said, I'll tell you what. See, the people were so deceived by who God was. Remember the old days, truth and consequences, let the real so-and-so stand up? Well, that's about where they were. And so what Elijah said, he said, I'm going, he said, I want you to meet, I want you to bring the 400 prophets of Baal up on Mount Carmel, and I want all the people to come so that they can see who the true God is. And of course, Jezebel is so conceited in her own heart, she thought surely that, the, that, the, that Baal would be preeminent in that situation. That's how dumb she was. You know, people who serve the devil aren't very bright. I had somebody say to me one time, I was witnessing on the street, and, and they come to me and they go, ah, I'm a witch. I said, oh, they said, I'm a servant of Lucifer. I said, I got some bad news for you. Number one, his name isn't Lucifer anymore. God changed it to a fallen one. He called him Satan. I said, let me tell you something about Satan. He'll be locked up and thrown into the pit of fire where he'll burn for eternity. You want to follow? You want to follow a losing God? Let me tell you what: we have the power in the name of Jesus. You see, we just need to be bold. 
on the streets of Congress Street. I remember being there one time, and, and there were prostitutes and stuff. It was the old Dunkin' Donut, and they were congregated there. And so I went up there with my Bible, Brother Wayne, and I started to tell them about Jesus. And guess what? They, were all, they all went to the other corner. And one of them, I heard him over there, and he said, how did he steal our corner? We've had this for years. They said, we don't know. Why don't you go tell him? And all of a sudden, he come running, pitter-pattering across. I said, oh, man, I'm probably going to get hit. But I trusted in God, and he looked at me and said, what authority do you have? I said, I have authority in the name of Jesus. Then I heard the pitter-patter. He ran back over there. He said, he's nuts. It's pretty bad when you go down to Lewiston, go down to Lisbon Street, and they're telling you you're not. <laughs> but what we realize is what Elijah did is he met the 400 prophets of Baal up there on Mount Carmel. And this is what he said. He said, I want you to build an altar to Baal. And I'm going to build an altar to God. And he said, and go ahead and put wood and everything. He said, and let your God, let Baal uh, receive the sacrifice. Now, let me tell you something about Old Testament sacrifice. The only way you know it was received if it was consumed. So they built their thing. They said, this is no big deal. And they put their wood on it, and they, they danced around. The Bible said, even to the place of cutting themselves, which is evil in itself. But no fire. Now, I want you to know something. The devil, can he can light a match. But I believe that the angels of God were standing about there and said, this way ain't going to burn. <laughs> and then, then Elijah comes, and he says, okay. He said, now it's my turn, is it? Where is you? Maybe he said, your God's on vacation. Maybe you need to holler a little bit more. Nothing. He said, okay. He said, I want you to take uh, six ba uh, barrels of water and pour it on my wood, on the wood of that sacrifice. Now, you know you can't start a fire with wet wood. Just to let you know. That's how confident I am in the God that I serve. How confident are you in the God you serve? When you tell somebody about Jesus, do you do it sheepishly or you do it with confidence? I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he's able. And after they had done that, Elijah called out to the heavens. And the Bible said not only did the fire come and consume that wet wood, but even the rocks that surrounded it were consumed. My God has a consuming fire. But how do we present him? Do we believe in the attributes of God? I think so many Christians struggle because they really have a difficulty in believing. Let me tell you this. God is merciful. Well, how many of you struggle with receiving repentance? I know, but I feel so guilty. I feel this. You know what you're really saying? I don't truly believe he is merciful.
He is loving. So Christians go their whole life. They've received God, but they live, <laughs> they live in guilt. The only way you can live in guilt is if you don't really believe that God is merciful. When you think of faith, you believe in trusting in God. Faith is the evidence, you know, is, is the proof of things that are not, of the things that are unseen. Elijah showed his faith in God as we uh, went, when he went back to Ahab, knowing that they were killing the prophets. He knew that they were killing the prophets, but he did not care for his own life. He still went before him. And Abraham, and, and uh and he saw a um, get get the word here for a minute. Ahab, sorry, I get a lot of A's in my head. Ahab, you know, we get older, you, like your kids, you know. Which one am I calling? But Ahab, he looked at Elijah. Now here's Elijah. He's he he's dressed in 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 a camel's hair. I mean, he definitely doesn't fit the description of a civilized maybe uh, uh, Hebrew and here comes Ahab with his limousine or should I say his chariots and all the fine horses and all the men with him and they come whoa and he sees this man and he says oh he said you're Elijah who troubles the uh, Israel and a and I love what uh, he said he says no it's not me that troubles Israel but you and your prophets of Baal you see, we've got to begin to talk to these people who are trying to, to throw God out of society. And we need to take control by force. So what am I Not physical force. We fight not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual principalities. Behind every evil, there is a demon that we have power over. You see, and that's what is going on in the country is that as Christians, we're too easy to become victims than we are to become the victors. Let's look at Israel for a minute. When, when uh, During the Holocaust, the Jews never fought. They allowed millions of them to be herded together and thrown into a fire. But after the Holocaust, let me tell you what they decided. We will never lay down again. We're going to begin to fight. And they, took, they went back to Israel. You know, God predicted this over 2,000 years ago, that Israel would be called from all of the world and become a country again. Now, that is miraculous. Do you know they're the most, I, I believe they're the most fearless and powerful fighting force on the face of this earth. One Israelite to ten others. Why? Because they have come to the place where I am determined I will not be a victim again. Now, I'm not talking about military war. I'm talking now in the spirit. Why do we put up with what we do when we can speak to the mountain and it shall be moved? The Bible said, if you have the faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain. Now, he wasn't talking about the white mountain. That would be pretty irritating if that thing was moving all over the place. We go to New Hampshire, yeah, you go to the white, oh, man, somebody must have moved it. <laughs> That's not what he, he was using the mountain as a metaphor. 
to tell you that whatever it is in your life that seems un, that seems too high to get over, too wide to get around, too deep to get under. He said, "I want you to know if you had the you had the faith as a grain of mustard." Now I want you to know: has anybody ever seen a mustard seed? It's smaller than a bed bug. I don't want to see any bed bugs. But, but I'm just telling you, it's smaller than a bed bug. And, and the fact of it is, he said, if you have that in you, you shall speak. How many are waiting on God when God said you should just be speaking? Do you believe me? Do you believe that I'm, uh, that I'm uh, omnipresent? I want to get over there in just a minute. I'm getting ahead of myself a little. In Galatians 3.26, for you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ, through faith. You know, faith is the conduit in which we travel. Faith is the conduit in which we travel. In other words, you know something? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hebrews 11.6 said, For without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith will grow as you begin to get confident in the word of God. Habakkuk 2.4. He said, Behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. I believe in you, Lord. You know the Bible said that God has given every man a measure of faith so that no one's without excuse. God is looking for warriors today. He is looking for warriors today. People that will stand up and proclaim the word of God and will take our city's corners and, and trust that God will come and be our defense. If you look at the early church and the book of Acts, they went where man feared to go. And when they were persecuted, they would see the Lord. I think of Stephen. And they were ready to stone him. The Bible said the words that he preached made them so angry they were literally biting him. And they took stones to stone him. You know what? He said, I see Jesus standing on the right hand of God in power. And he died a martyr to go and be with Jesus. But God gave him strength. He gave him the, the power of the Holy Ghost. I love what Chuck Colson said. Chuck Colson, if you don't remember, some of you may be too young, but Watergate. A lot of us remember Watergate. Watergate. We got a lot of that stuff going on today. Nobody even pays attention to it. It's worse even. But we look at Watergate, and Chuck Colson was one of the finest lawyers in all of the country, and he was a lawyer working in Washington with uh, President Nixon. And when the whole thing broke out, he said 12 of them got together, collaborated a story, and said, we will hold to this story. He said, you know how I know that the Bible's true? He said, Jesus had 12, and every one of them became martyrs. He said, you know what happened to the 12 that collaborated their story? Within three days, they all defected from it. You know, when people are going through some motions, they're not going to follow through with giving their life. But the disciples did. 
John the Beloved was the only one that did not become a martyr. But history says that they threw him into a cauldron of boiling fat. And that he swam the other side and got out. Now, I want you to know something. In the natural, I would need counseling for 30 years about my experience with facing that cauldron of fat. But you know, God gives us the strength. He gives us the power. And that we no longer fear our life. Let me tell you something right now. The greatest fear that you'll ever have is the fear of death. People watch horror shows, The Boogeyman. But you know something? Jesus said, perfect love casteth out all fear. We don't have to fear the boogeyman anymore. Paul said, absent in this body, I'm present with the Lord. Do you know when he said that? Just before they cut his head off. Hmm. You have no power over me. Jesus said to Pilate, when Pilate said to him, and, and Jesus wouldn't talk, like, a, like a, uh, a lamb led to slaughter. Lambs don't talk. He didn't talk. And Pilate looked at him, and he said, Don't you know who I am, that I could take your life? And Jesus looked at him and said, <laughs> You couldn't do a thing unless my father let you. You know what Jesus said to the disciples? He said, when I come back, am I going to find any faith? Do we really believe God? I believe there are a lot of Christians that struggle with this. And they struggle with it because they don't seek to know him. He says, seek and you shall find. Knock. And the door shall be opened unto you. He used a, a little parable in the, in, in the New Testament. Jesus said there was a, a woman that, that uh, needed justice because somebody had taken something that was hers. And every day she went before the un, unjust judge. He was a politician, by definitely, and, and he did not care about her, and he didn't listen to her. So every day she went before his window and would cry out for justice. And finally, he said, to get this woman off my back, I'll give her what she needs. And what God was saying is, how much will we seek God? How much will we knock on that door? How much will we say, God, I need you. I'm desperate for you. I want to walk with you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Just wanted to, the one part I wanted to bring out. So we understand that we need faith. We also need to be obedient to the faith that we've received. I've been here 30 years. Because I'm a soldier. Instant in season and out of season. 
Lord God, we're having troubles with that with, you know, in marriage today where people say, well, I just don't feel that anymore. And, and, and they get out of marriages and stuff. I want you to know something. When you commit yourself in a marriage, you're a soldier. The grass is never greener on the other side. I'm a soldier. I'm going to commit. You see, and that's what God is looking for in his people. I am determined. I've made up my mind. I'll serve the Lord. How's it go? I am determined. I've made up my mind. I'll serve the Lord. You see, we need to be committed to him. We need to say, Lord, I am yours. I, I know this one thing, that there's greatness in you. There's mercy in you. Lord, I receive that mercy. I'm not going to live a, a, a life of, of groveling. I'm going to stand on the problem. That's what God wants. But it's confidence in him. Come through obedience. In Luke eleven twenty eight, 28, he said, but, but he said more than than that. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. He said, don't be hearers of the word, not beholding your natural self, and then go out and don't do it. You see, there's only one book, and I'll tell you right now, there's only one book that you'll get, a, you'll get an accurate image of who you are. God told Moses, tell the women to bring their looking glasses in, which were brass. And with the looking glasses, he, he melted them down and made a laver. A laver is the place the priests had to go before they could go into the Holy of Holies. And they had a place to wash their feet in their hands. You see, the laver, uh, and brass speaks of judgment. And the, and the laver was the, is, is the word of God. We come to the laver for cleansing. I've seen people come to the altar for salvation over and over and over, not realizing, look, you're already saved. You just need a shower. <laughs> Showers of blessing. Showers of blessing we need. Mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead. You see, the word of God is what cleanses us. And we come to it, and we do see things that are painful. David says, search my heart, O Lord, and see if there be any wicked way in me. He said, I find that if I, if I hide the truth, he said, thy word, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Christianity is not coming to church on Sunday morning and then leaving your Bible dusty all week because you'll become weak. What we need to understand is, Lord, I want to walk with you. I want to talk with you. I, I want something radical, Lord. I don't want some Christianity that you just, oh, goody, now I go to church and I do this. No, that's not what God has told us about it. If you look at the early church in Acts, there was power. Power, power, wonder work and power. Thank you, Lord. 
And the third thing I want to talk about is sacrifice. You see, Christianity will demand sacrifice. It means your ambitions need to go by the way. You see, to, to receive Jesus is to vacate the throne of your heart and to give it to God. And when you vacate the throne of your heart, you're no longer led by your heart. Let me tell you this right now. If you want to know about your heart, think about something. Say you know a person. They've, they've lived a miserable life. It has been difficult for them. You've felt their pain. You know their loneliness. And all of a sudden, they get into a relationship that is not biblical. Something in your heart says, well, you know, I'm just glad that they're happy. But see, that's the evil of the heart. That's to, to, to try to rationalize what is around you when you've got to realize if God said it's unclean, it's unclean. The Word of God will cause sacrifice in my life. Paul said in Romans 7, he said, That that I wish to do, I do not. That that I wish not to do, that I do. He said, What a wretched man that I am. Because that's the way we come to God. But he found in Romans 8, 1, he said, But I find if I walk in the Spirit, I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I want to be a spirit walker. I want to walk in with all the possibilities. I'm telling you right now, the church is not realizing the, 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 the complete possibilities they have in him. We sit and we fret about what's happening in Washington when we stop speaking over it in the name of Jesus. I come against that in Jesus' name. And, and many of you heard me say about my grandmother when I was just a young man. My grandmother would make me go to church with her. And I really didn't like it. And, and uh, like you were saying, you know, I, well, you know, I was little, you know, I'd go to church. I really didn't understand it. But one night we come home from church and, and, and she was praying in another language. She was just given to the Lord. And all of a sudden she was sitting there in her driveway and she looked and a known drug addict picked up. Her name was Debbie. She was 13 years old. She was living a troubled life. She was living with my aunt. They were trying to help her. And this known drug addict, which was about 40 years old, stopped and picked her up. And my grandmother looked at that car and she said, in the name of Jesus, I come against and bind it. And immediately that car went off the road at a very low rate of speed. So it didn't get it. No one got hurt in there. And the police came because some uh, Mrs. Stroke called the police because the car went down in her lawn. And they took Debbie home where she needed to be, away from this predator. And I looked at my grandma and said, Grammy, <laughs> wow. <laughs> when is the last time we spoke with authority? You know why? Because the devil browbeats you to thinking, well, you know, he, 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 he's going to have a hard time forgiving you. That's because we really don't know him. 
God is merciful. That's his nature. It doesn't change. He doesn't say, you know what? I've listened to you long enough. Now, we might do that. But God isn't moody. He's not moody like we are. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and throughout eternity. His attribute of mercy and his attribute of love. God is love. The Bible says in in 1 John, he said, And if any man sin, he is an advocate with the Father, who is just and able to forgive him of his sin. What does advocate mean? Anybody been to court knows what an advocate is. It's the lawyer that you drag in with you. (laughs) And you hope he's good. (laughs) Well, I want to tell you something about this court. Our lawyer, his father's the judge. (laughs) And And when the accuser, the prosecutor, that's the devil, comes in to hold you in contempt before the Father in heaven, his son gets up and said, he's forgiven. God never changes. His thoughts towards you are the same as they always were. And those are good thoughts. He loves you. He wants you to stand up. He wants you to go. He wants you to have power. He wants you to walk in victory. He wants you to have all these things. But then we have to ask that, what hinders me? See, this is, what the, this is the message America needs today. We need Christians to get converted. And to realize how to become radical soldiers for Jesus. William Booth. You've all heard of the Salvation Army, haven't you? William Booth in the 1800s, he began. He was the origin of the Salvation Army. He was a radical man. You know how he began? He, he would get his 30 or 40 people in church and say, let's get all kinds of musical instruments and let's march around the, around the, the city and just beat our drums and say, the Lord is the Lord and, and all that. How many of you join me today? How many have too much pride? <laughs> God hates pride. And I'm closing. But he did that. And do you know to this day, I've got a nephew. His name is Adil. He is from Pakistan, and he got saved there because of the Salvation Army. Because a man. What can God do through you? If we would only get on fire for him, if we would only believe Only believe. All things are possible. Only believe. When's the last time you arrested a devil? And I'm talking to the Spirit. However it might manifest. To say, I'm sick and tired of being the victim. I'm going to stand with Jesus because he's all authority and he's all might. I know the God I serve. You know, he spoke and the universe was. He spoke and the stars were. He's the one I want to hang with. 
His words are weighty. And you know what the Bible says? And I'm closing with this statement. He said, my word will not come back unto me void. It will accomplish the things that I sent it forth to accomplish. But he said, blessed are the feet of they who preach the gospel. For how will they hear? Or how will my word go forth? Because somebody would preach. The power that is in the word of God. I want you to know something. I serve an awesome, mighty, powerful God today. And a saint. I call her my spiritual mother. Is Frances Wesley. She has been a pillar in this church from its beginning well over 60 years, but she stood, and she stood, and she stood, and she stood, and she buried three husbands, and she stood. The other day I was singing with her. We were singing praises and, and, and just having a fun time together. It was about three or four days ago when she was still able to do that. But she said, I have no fear. I know where I'm going. I want that to be my legacy when I come to that place, if it should happen before the Lord comes. That I'll have no fear, but that I'll know him. I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he's able.